Blog Talk Radio. Talking sports. My name's Tom Marcusell, President A. 917-889-8516 is our digits. Got a great show on tap. College football hour uh, coming your way here in just a, a moment. Uh, Scott Lamb, our uh, college football extraordinaire, uh, joins us. Uh, Rick Riggin is uh, uh, doing something with the hurricane. I don't know. He's down in Florida. He's doing... He's having some time off to this week, so he won't be joining us. But Mo from the BS Sports Show will be joining us as well. In the next hour, we're going to be talking college football, breaking down our games of the week and analyzing them and, and taking a look at, you know, where where, where they lay at and, and maybe if you're so inclined to bet on them, maybe where, where to look at uh, with that. And then at the, the next segment, next hour, if you will, uh, we've got Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast. George is going to be breaking down IndyCar and NASCAR uh, for us. And then 1030, uh, the last uh, quarter of the show, we've got Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles. He's on the road toward Pittsburgh. Uh, but we're going to be breaking down the Eagles and uh, in the NFL as well. And we're going to be talking a little bit about, well, Jolly Old St. Nick and Tom Brady uh, does there seem to be some sort of a, a rivalry there? Uh, we we will uh, we will get to the bottom of that. We'll have that conversation with with Ed Kratz, uh, our official NFL contributor. My name is Tom Marcos El Presidente. Stick around; it's about to get good. Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4-on-4 with a barbershop quartet. 
Bum, bum, Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, they're my eyes. We're moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. Jumping right into things, obviously, that's a tribute to Eddie Van Halen, who we uh, lost this week, one of the great rock legends, and uh, certainly uh, one of the the first concert I ever went to uh, was uh, the Jump Tour uh, with with Van Halen, a sad loss, huge loss in in the music world and the rock community. Joining us now, Scott Lamb. It's going to help us carry the load today with the college football uh, hour. How are you, sir? Hey, good morning, Tom. Really, really excited about this week coming up. If there's a silver lining to all this COVID stuff, uh, we got a lot of football, a lot of sports coming up this week. Uh, NFL has to be had to be flexible with their schedule. We got a doubleheader tomorrow, uh, and they're kicking off the Denver Broncos and Patriots a little early, so you got you can start watching at five Eastern and get six hours of football. We got the Bills and the Titans on Tuesday, uh, and then we can get in some Group of Five stuff to start off week six for college football. <laughs> Got nothing. Carolina and Louisiana on Wednesday. Battle of the Sun Belt Unbeatens. No, uh, nothing like. No, I was just saying nothing like a little Tuesday uh, NFL action to totally mess up your fantasy football. But that's neither here nor there. Hey, so <laughs> who? What, what was the first concert you ever went to? Uh, I went to a uh, to a Prince concert in the mid nineties. Prince was your first concert. Yeah, I went, went, yeah, yeah. I went to Prince in high school. That, that's cool. That's it. Let's see. What's your what's your uh, favorite uh, Prince song? Uh, probably Purple Rain. But I mean, there's there's yeah, no problem. Don't say Darling Nikki now. <laughs> you know, many many moons ago, when I used to spin the tunes, I accidentally played that song. And trust me, that's not something you'll do twice <laughs> when you're in the when you're in the radio world. But hey, it was it was good. It was like I I, I was faced with an option. I knew what I had done, but you know, as, as you are trained in radio, you just kind of let it go as opposed to drawing attention to the matter. So I thought I was going to be drawing more attention to the matter 
by quickly switching songs as opposed to letting it play out. Well, that was not the case, especially when it came to my boss. But <laughs> you know, hey, we all we all <laughs> didn't learned work our, out. Did not work out as as planned. Let me tell you. Well, Rick Reagan is. Uh, well, I don't know if he's enjoying sunshine. He says he says he's in Florida, but I'm, I got the Weather Channel on right now, and, and I tell you what, I can tell you one thing: Lake Charles, and you're you're familiar with Louisiana down there. What do you know about what's going on down there? But what I've seen on the TV right now, they're getting some nasty, nasty stuff. Yeah, with the, you know the initial outlook, we were kind of hoping that thing would go a little bit to the east of where Lower went, and it turns out it hit within about 50 miles of Lower's landfall. So. Uh, all, all my friends back home, they're they're going through another power outage. Some of them were out for two weeks last time and just got it back, and here they go again. Many still had tarps on the on the roofs, and uh, it's it's uh it's 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 rough going for them to get hit twice in one year. Yeah, absolutely. Our our thoughts and prayers go out to them. Let's get into this talking uh, football with us. I, I I'm still waiting on Mo. I don't know. He, he may have gotten tied up with something else. But that's fine. You and I can handle handle the ship. That's for sure. Let's jump right into things and some of our games of the week. And uh, Melissa, which I appreciate so much for her uh, being on with us, and she was in a car accident this week and totaled her car. Uh, got bruised up pretty bad, but she's she's a real trooper and she's with us today, and so she's going to get the picks up on social media. But let's get right into it. Uh, tet number twenty-two, Texas Longhorn against the Oklahoma Sooners. I mean, what we we let's talk about Texas here for a little bit because that seems to be a storyline all by itself. Go ahead, Scott. What? Yeah. You? Well, well, you know, I was really high on Texas and. Uh, I mean, I, I really thought that Tom Herman was going to have that thing rolling. Ellinger, I thought he looked great last year, just being real consistent with his play. And uh, that was that was a downer last week. And, of course, the week prior against Texas Tech, where they had the comeback, you know, I thought maybe that was going to get them over the hurdle. Uh, but then I go back and look, and instead of trying to uh, stay emotionally involved with how I feel about Texas I go back and look and since 2018 when they went 7-2 in conference and made it to the Big 12 championship game since that lost to Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship game they're 6-6 six and six in their last 12 conference games so they're just not that cream of the crop yet I know we ju- like to judge the Big 12 off what Oklahoma and Texas do and and I think it's just we got to say Texas are, is, are, is who they we you know who they are they're 6-6 six and six in 12 conference games uh, Oklahoma's dropped two in a row uh, I don't know if they've ever dropped three in a row in conference play or a regular season, uh, and they're not going to do it this week. Um, this, this is a game that I think that it's going to come down to a one-possession game. Almost every Big 12 uh, game has so far, and but I'm going to have Oklahoma pull this out and get off their losing streak, and Texas is just – that's who they are, a 500 conference team. Well, I kind of agree with you on that. Although, however, I'm going to I'm going to go on the opposite side of it just because of historical data tells us uh that Texas leads the overall series 62 for uh, uh basically 40, 47 uh and and has since the end of World War II. That said, they are on the road and Oklahoma needs a win. So, I can go either way on this. Like you said it's going to be a tight one. I think it's going to come down to yeah, one possession or a field goal. But I'm going to go ahead and, and, and roll with Texas on this one. Do you know what the odds are on this one? I don't have them up. I just didn't yes, know if you knew. It, it is. It, it's Oklahoma by three. Uh, I'm more interested in the over-under on this game at 72.5. I think this game goes over. I, I think this yeah, is a I shootout. I think, 
I think both teams go go big and get into the mid-30s, low-40s. And uh, I'm going to take Oklahoma by a field goal in this game. Bet the bet the farm on the over, uh, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with uh, Texas on this. Rick is listening. His favorite uh, Prince song is PC. I I'm I'm not gonna. I think you guys can figure it out. If not, Google it. It'll be glad to tell you. PC. Uh, let's just say the second word is control. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. That's one we can't play. That's one we can't play either. <laughs> I watched him do that in karaoke about a month ago on the river. Oh my God, Rick and his karaoke. We we've I I tell you what, we're all going to have to hang out sometime because whenever Rick and I hang out, the last time we hung out here in Indianapolis and we went down the sidelines, it was it was it was epic. Let me tell you that. <laughs> he he's got some charisma. Uh, well, their their Uber driver was a guy that's on our show every now and then by the name of Adam, and uh, let's just say he was he was lit up from the neck up. <laughs> so was I. So, in all, in all fairness, uh, when Rick and I get together, we can we can pound down a few of them. That's for sure. Well, you know, ironically, we're talking about hurricanes, so why not talk about the Miami Hurricanes going to get the number one Clemson Tigers, both three and zero. This could be this this could be one of the games of the week to really watch. You know, here's the thing: Clemson's at home and they're undefeated. I I'm going to have to roll with Clemson and then the Tigers on this particular one. But go ahead, what say you, sir? You know, I really wanted to pull the trigger and go with the Hurricanes to to pull the upset this week and just looking back I, I just I can't do it Miami it's been a long time since Miami's been in a big game uh in their bowl game last year against Louisiana Tech they were the first first power five team to be shut out by a group of five opponent uh and that was just you know three games ago for them uh I really like the Eric King and, and what he's done to open the season uh I just I don't see them going into Clemson who's had all these big games and performed under pressure over what's it been five six years now uh, the line on this game is Clemson by 15. I think Miami covers. Uh, I don't think that Miami's defense is, can just hold, keep them in the game long enough against Clemson. I do like their ability to have the big play on defense. Uh, I still like Clemson by two touchdowns. Well, I, I'm going with Clemson too on this one, but it would be fun if uh, uh, the Canes was truly back. I mean, it would be a boon to the sport dominated by a handful of programs of any ACC team uh, posed a threat to Clemson winning its sixth straight uh, league crown. It would be uh, Miami, uh, but I'm just, you know, I'm with you. It's on primetime TV slot. Um I mean, Clemson's Clemson has just consistently, you know, they, they get yeah. in these big games and they know how to pull them out. It just, there, there's, there's four really good teams in the ACC that I think are, you know, there's, there's three teams that can give them a run for their money. They get to the ACC championship game. And I think Miami could get there later in the year, but I think they need a little bit more experience for their, for their quarterback. Yeah. And Clemson's only lost once in two plus calendar years. Uh, so, I mean, I think this is a pretty easy one. Be, I think it's going to be a good game to watch, a good game to follow. Uh, but both of us are going to into Tiger land on that one. Uh, so, uh, you had Oklahoma. I had Texas. And 
we, we, we both have Clemson. Let's talk a little bit about this uh, Georgia-Tennessee Bulldogs and Volunteer uh, game. What are your thoughts, sir? Okay, so Tennessee's on an eight-game winning streak, and I went back to look at this winning streak because it's the longest winning streak in the SEC, regular season and, uh, and playoffs. Uh, but when I looked at this eight-game winning streak, it's two games against South Carolina, a game against Alabama-Birmingham, a game against Kentucky, two games against Missouri, a game against Vanderbilt, and then their bowl win last year against Indiana. Uh, I don't know how much you can hang your hat on that eight-game winning streak. I mean, when you win, it's, it's contagious. You know, winning, winning breeds more winning. Uh, but, man, that Georgia defense, it's, I think the Dallas Cowboys would like to have that defense right now. Uh, if you, other than LSU last year, and LSU, I mean, that was, that was an all-time offense. They gave up 37 points to one of the best offenses we've seen in college football probably in the last 20 years. Uh, if you take away that, over their last 15 games, they're averaging giving up 10.1 points a game on defense. Uh, if Tennessee scores two touchdowns in this game, they've accomplished something. I've got Georgia big in this one. Well, this is my lock of the week. The point spread is 12.5. I got Georgia winning 31-13. I would take the over in this game at 43, but the only way it gets to the over is Georgia's going to have to score 40 points which they, they might do, but I'm going to stay away from the over-under, but I'm going to lock in Georgia at over 12-and-a-half, win 31-13. You know, and I, 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 a lot of times they stay away from the over-and-under as well, uh, but the guy who never knows if he's over or under is with us now. Uh, Mo for the BS Sports Show, how are you, sir? Well, not six feet under yet, but, boy, it feels close. <laughs> Man, well, I hope you get to feel better. I know you were feeling rough last week. Hey, we started the show off uh, by talking about the loss of Eddie Van Halen, certainly one of the, the great rock legends. And I was just talking about how uh, Van uh, Van Halen Jump was the first concert I ever been to. What was your first concert? <clears throat> oh, man, that's so somewhat embarrassing. Um, <laughs> let's see. What was, um, it was six. Sticks. Hey, there's nothing wrong with sticks. I like sticks. They're, they're, they're a good band. What's your favorite stick song? Uh, you know what? I don't really have one. My parents took me to the concert, and then I, I saw the Monkees and Herman's Hermits the uh, next <laughs> month. And then I, I will say, it, to make me seem more manly, I have seen the Backstreet Boys like six times. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Scott Lamb joins us as well. Uh, Rick is uh, uh, on vacation down in Florida. I think he picked the wrong week to do that. Uh, obviously, uh, they're getting slammed down there. At least Louisiana is, and I don't know if Rick is. Uh, Rick's uh, and then uh, Scott's first concert was Prince, and um, nice. And uh, I just totally forgot, Scott, what you told me your favorite Prince song was. Uh, it'd be Purple Rain, but I mean, it could be close between a half dozen of them. But yeah. Well, and Rick's not with us today, but he did text me and say, because he's listening, and he said, uh, Mo, that his favorite Prince song, well, we'll just say it's PC, the last word being control. <laughs> uh, yeah, I like I like that one, and I like, uh, I like Darling Nikki. Well, I just told a story about that. You missed it because you were fashionably late to the show. But no, I'm just kidding with you. When back when I used to, and you know this because you spin tunes. Uh, back when I used to spin tunes, uh, I accidentally played "Darling Nikki" totally by accident. And you know, like in radio, it's kind of like don't draw attention to something. And I worked overnight at that time because I was still, you know, trying to break my teeth into everything you know everybody starts in the overnight in the overnight class uh we got a caller 
No, we don't. Okay. Everybody starts in the overnight class. If you're in area code 719, you can call us back. But I accidentally played it, and I thought, well, I'm not going to draw attention. And who's, who's listening at this time of night? Well, I can tell you he was listening, my boss, and he was not pleased that I did not change that song right away with, with Darling Nikki. Uh, but this all started with uh, uh, the conversation about Eddie Van Halen. Hi, who's this? Hello. Hey, how you doing? Good, how are you? Who's this? This is Tim from El Paso. Hey, Tim from El Paso. How are you? Going to chime in on the Texas game today, are you? Yeah, I'm not really calling a time. Just uh, some product. I'm actually uh, Scott Lamb's little brother. <laughs> oh, okay. I got okay. I got some comments on 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 the thing about Georgia and Tennessee and Tennessee being on the supposed eight game winning streak. But you know, I, I used to have a first sergeant who was a big Tennessee fan, and I used to give him heck all the time for it. Tennessee's getting taken to the woodshed, like Scott Lamb said last week about usually Oklahoma does to Kansas State after a you know a previous upset. So I just wanted to call and chime in on that. Oh yeah, sure. Uh, we were actually getting ready to talk into that game, uh, and Mo, and that's where we left off at. Uh, we were talking about Tennessee and, and Georgia and getting our picks on that. Uh, what are your thoughts there? Well, I, I think you know Georgia. Georgia is going to just destroy Tennessee. Okay. So, so if I if I if I were betting, I'm going to take the over on that one. Well, what what are your thoughts on Tennessee versus Georgia? And I'll give you guys my pick. Well, I mean, since everybody's going with Georgia, and uh, you know, I, I'm not a fan of either team, but uh, you know, when, even if uh, even if you've won eight games in a row and you beat crap teams, you still won eight games in a row. You can only play who they put on the schedule. I'm going to go with the Tennessee Volunteers for the upset today. Well, here's the thing. I think Tennessee has been red hot under third-year head coach Jeremy Pruitt. Uh, the Volunteers have won eight consecutive games dating to last season. They come off an impressive 35-12 win over the Missouri Tigers. Uh, George did look like a playoff-ready uh, team last week against Auburn, winning 27-6. to uh, But I'm going to go with the Volunteers on this one and, you know – you know, plus, you know, I gotta, I gotta help, help Melissa out. She's a, a big volunteer fan, and you know, she was in that car wreck this week. So, but that said, that's just a secondary thing. I'm rolling with, uh, with Tennessee on this, and and uh, Scott's little brother. What, what was your name again? Tim. <laughs> Jeff. Okay. So I, no, I Tim, based Tim. on your last, Tim. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Based on your last comment, it sounds like your your current military or prior military, just like the big brother there. So I appreciate your service uh, and thank you for joining. If you are more than welcome to to hang out with us, or do you want to do you want to uh, do you need to go? Uh, yeah, I'm getting ready to take off. I actually got to go in and do a little work this morning, but yeah, I'm, I'm still active. I'm a artillery mechanic, but yeah, I'm a, love my oh, my brother awesome. Scott. So you know. Yeah. All right. <laughs> all right, buddy. You, right, you guys take care. Day. I love. Thanks for calling. All right, thanks. You too. Yeah, and I enjoy the show. I'll still be listening. I appreciate that. Thank you. All right, bye. Scott, go ahead and send your PayPal money. <laughs> hey, man, no, I appreciate it. We, we appreciate anybody uh, that, that, that listens and can call. Anybody can call on 917 uh, is our digits. Well, here's another game, guys, that we're going to get into here. And, of course, we got to get into it because, well, it's Alabama and it's college football. 
So we'll start with you, Scott. We got Alabama at Ole Miss. Ole Miss coming in one and one, and Alabama two and zero. Oh. Well, I don't know how many of you are playing daily fantasy sports when it comes to college football, uh, but if you had a player that you had to have on your team this week, it's Najee Harris of Alabama. Uh, so Ole Miss has given up 600 yards per game of total on defense, and that's not just like one-dimensional. They are giving up 300 rushing yards a game and 300 passing yards a game. If there was a player that's going to go off, Najee Harris of Alabama. Uh, I got Alabama winning 43-22 in this game. Uh, and I don't think Ole Miss is, can hang. If you don't have a defense to stop Alabama, then you're not you're not in that game. Mo, what are your thoughts? Alabama versus Ole Miss. Yeah, I agree with Scott. Najee Harris is awesome. This should be a, a complete ass whooping. I'm taking Alabama by thirty. Well, seeing, like as how Rick, seeing as how Rick isn't with us, and I heard some other pretty. Uh, knowledgeable people in the college football world talk about this game this week. I'm going to, I'm going to pull a Rick rig and I'm going to go against the grain and I'm going to be a rebel in this one. See what I did there. Uh, (laughs) But uh, uh, I'm going to go with Ole Miss. It's going to be a tight game. And I totally agree with what Scott said. The the defense with Ole Miss is lacking thereof. Uh, So certainly it's warranted to pick Alabama, but I heard two different people say, this week that they've made some adjustments with their defense, but also they've got a redhead, redhead, red hot uh, quarterback. That's just seems to be in sync with his wide receivers and running backs. And they've got a good running game. And for that, a lot of people think that Ole Miss can, can tighten the noose a little bit with Alabama at home, a lot of, uh, favorable things, and it's not going to be a, a, a blowout by any stretch. And again, I could be eating crow on this, but I'm going to go with Ole Miss against Alabama on 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 that well, as as well. Well, one more comment, Tom, for you. Uh, Go ahead. I mean, sure, there's a, sure. I don't know if it's a saving curse, and I know Kiffin wasn't raised by saving. You know, he was a head coach a couple times before he was a coordinator under saving. Uh, but previous coordinators and assistant coaches under saving have not fared well against him, coach, and go up against him in, in the game. I don't, I don't know if Lane Kiffin is just going to be able to get it done or not. But saving has something against his assistant coaches and coordinators. Well, we will see. No, I've heard that theory, too. I, that's, a, that's a very, very good point. Well, here's where, where we need Rick Riggin with us because, you know, uh, he's he's in Florida. So we're going to talk Notre Dame anyway without him. Notre Dame comes back against Florida State. What say you, uh, Mo? Well, you know, I mean, you wonder what the, what it was like for Notre Dame these past few weeks without playing the games. You've had kids that were sick. Uh, you know, the campus was uh, pretty much uh, a lockdown. So I don't know how game ready these guys are going to be after the long layoff. That being said, you know, sometimes when you're a football player, the layoff's not terrible to kind of rejuvenate your body and get everything healthy. I'm going to say Notre Dame comes out, takes care of business against Florida State today, but I think it'll be a closer game than we expect. I'm taking Notre Dame with the win over Florida State. Go ahead, Scott. Uh, Florida State versus Notre Dame. This is a game I went back and forth on all week as far as the spread and who I wanted to take on, on which side of it. Uh, so before I get into Florida State, I agree with what Mo said about their layoff. Or I'm sorry, before I get into Notre Dame. I, I like when 
Moe said about his uh, Notre Dame's layoff. I'm going to talk about that in just a second. Uh, Florida State, man, I don't know what's happened to them over the last three years. Uh, they're over their games against ranked opponents since 2018 when they beat number 20 Boston College uh, by one point. And before that, it, it was all the way going back to the 2016 Orange Bowl when they beat a ranked opponent when they beat Michigan. Uh, so I don't know what's happened to them in the last three, four, five years, but they're playing 500 ball, both conference and non-conference. Uh, and going into Notre Dame, they're giving up – or at Florida State, but they're giving up 21 points to Notre Dame. My only concern with Notre Dame, they beat a Duke team by 14 points that is now 0-4, uh, not a competitive Duke team at all. And then they beat a, they beat Florida, or South Florida 52 to nothing, who got trounced by Cincinnati as well. Uh, so they haven't played any opponents. This is going to be their first game in three weeks. Uh, so who is this Notre Dame team? Are they going to come out and they're going to blow out Florida State as they should by three touchdowns? Uh, or is this going to be a game that Florida State can get into? Uh, last week against Jacksonville State, they were down early. They were able to end up – they changed quarterbacks at halftime and then they ended up blowing out Jacksonville State, which they should have done. Uh, so are we going to find out if Notre Dame is for real and worthy of a top five uh, ranking in the polls? Or can Florida State come up in and make this a competitive game? I ended up going with Notre Dame and covering the three touchdowns. I think Notre Dame wins 37-14. Uh, but I, I want to see if Notre Dame's for real or not before I get on the Notre Dame hype train. Well, I'm not on the Notre Dame hype train, not for no, no particular uh, reason as far as not liking Notre Dame. I, I love Notre Dame. But they can't afford any more setbacks. And it just seems like because of things maybe beyond their control, they've not been able to get into a rhythm. There's there, there's nothing to gauge anything on this season with. Um, I don't see anything here that tells me that Notre Dame is going to – have an exciting win here. It would be exciting to see them win from a fan's perspective. Uh, but I think with my, my pick, I'm going to go ahead and go with Florida State because I, I just haven't seen enough of Notre Dame this year to tell me one way or the other. And I, I just think that Notre Dame does, doesn't have their rhythm yet. And I might be proven wrong this week, and we might be back on the Notre Dame train next week and and, and Rick will be on with us, and he'll be able to tell tell us how wrong I tell me how wrong I was. But for the moment, I'm going to go with with uh, Florida State uh, in in uh, that game. So we've got two Notre Dames and one Florida State. Is that correct, Mo? Did you pick Notre Dame as well? I did. Hey, all right, hey, all right. hey Tom, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna sure. Tom, I'm gonna do something today because I'm gonna go on the the Tom Marquis train right here, and I'm gonna do a <laughs> just a two dollars. I'm gonna do a two dollar three team parlay this morning in draft in uh, Fanduel, and, and I'll post it. Uh, and I, I wonder what those odds are gonna be. So I got you taking Tennessee over Georgia, Ole Miss over Alabama, and Florida State over Notre Dame. I'm gonna put all three of those in because uh, that would be three okay. top five teams going down. I mean, this would be total chaos in the rankings of three top five teams go down with those three games uh so i'm gonna go tennessee Ole miss and florida state in a fan duel three team parlay i'll just put two bucks on it yeah i bet that thing pays over a hundred dollars uh so i'll post that show the results and if all three of those hit that's that's going to be a, a huge win i mean i'll put two dollars on it and see what happens well then you're going to have to give me my commission after that you realize that right <laughs> uh, i, I, I want to see if you can go three and oh and i want to see if you can go one and two in this I'll, I'll go at least one and two. That much I, I can I, I can I can assure yeah, you. That, that that would be there'd still be some chaos in the post. <laughs> one more game to talk about here, and then uh, we'll take a break and we'll come back. Uh, but uh, let's talk about the Virginia Tech Hokies, number nineteen against number eight North Carolina Tar, Tar, Tar Heels, both coming in two and zero North Carolina at home. Mo, what say you? Well, 
I, I'm not a fan of either of these teams. Um, I think both of them play kind of a pedestrian game. I'm going to take North Carolina for the win. Uh, but you talk about a game that to me would be like watching paint dry. I'd be watching North Carolina, Virginia Tech. But I'm going to take, I'm going to take the Tar Heels. Scott, go ahead. What, what are your thoughts on uh, Virginia so, Tech? So this has, this is potentially the game of the week. So last year, this game went six overtimes. Uh, and I believe it was 43, 40 uh, was the final uh, and when when you look at this game, UNC is eighth eighth in the country right now. I think UNC is the second best team in the ACC. Rick Rick would probably disagree. I mean, he's tout his Notre Dame team. We don't know who they are yet. Uh, but <laughs> UNC's run defense, UNC's run defense gives up 54 yards a game, and Virginia Tech's run offense gets 319 yards a game. So this is where the game is going to be decided. Is Virginia Tech going to be able to run on that North Carolina defense? And I don't know if they can. Uh, I got North Carolina 30-27 in this game. I think it's going to be close. Uh, but I think UNC is the second-best team in the ACC. I think they'll be in the big in the, in the ACC championship game. And I got them by a field goal over Virginia Tech. Well, here's where, where this game is going to get interesting. This is a defensive team against a defensive team. And Virginia Tech and UNC is a tough team this year. And I, I would I would even concur that and I, we probably got Rick. He could he couldn't resist. He couldn't just enjoy his uh, his uh, Florida vacation. Rick, is this you? Yes. And you know what, Tom? I am not going to stand by and, and listen to you guys slander slander my team like this. So hey, here's who, here's who uh, Notre Dame is. Notre Dame has one of the best offensive lines in the country, right? Uh, all they've lost in the past couple of years is Ronnie, Ronnie Stanley from the Lions to the Chargers. Everybody else has been back in the past years. It's one of the best lines in the country. They are going to run the ball right down Florida State's throat. They're going to cover the spread by halftime. That's who they, and number two, they have two standouts coming back. They both got banged up against Duke, Kevin Austin, a wide receiver, and Kyle Hamilton, who is a sophomore, who would be a number one, uh, who would be a first-round draft pick if he was able to come out after the end of this year. They're both coming back to, tonight. So Florida State is in a, a a lot of trouble, world of hurt. I know exactly who the Irish are. I'm sorry, you sports talk radio guys have no idea who Notre Dame is, <laughs> but us Notre Dame guys, we know exactly who we are. We rely on that running game and uh, our defense here in the ACC. Uh, all we're going to have to worry about is Clemson. I know Clemson's the best team in the ACC. I'm not going to come out here and say Notre Dame is the best team in the ACC. I I I I know I know the drill. I know the gig. But I'm not going to stand by. Listen, you guys just slander my Irish this way. Okay, so, 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 so let me talk, so let me give a what? If I can give a quick little analogy, Tom. I'm a so so I'm, I, I play a lot of golf and. And I like it sure. when I get to go to a course and I get like a nice short little par four to start off and then another short par five and then maybe a short par three. And I'm like, man, that's a nice little handshake to start my hand, my round before I get into the meat of this course, into the toughness of this course. Well, that's kind of like what Notre Dame's got. They start off with Duke, start off with South Florida, and then they get a soft forward state team. We, we get, we're not going to know who Notre Dame is unless they come out and win by three touchdowns against Florida State. They're getting a do nice I need to, do I need to call the athletic director of Arkansas State and let him know what's being said on this show right now? <laughs> if you got that kind of clout, go ahead, man. Get him on our show. We'll talk to him ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe K.J. So, wants to run that game back. <laughs> 
So, Rick, we're going to assume that your pick is, is Notre Dame. We were uh, finishing up with Virginia Tech and uh, uh, North Carolina. What say you there? Oh, I like Virginia Tech this year. I really like both teams. I know Mo was talking about it, watching paint dry. Uh, it, and a, a hot take here, quick poll, if Melissa can put this on a balanced poll, would you rather watch paint dry or grass grow or water freeze? That would be a good poll question for the balanced poll today. Uh, I'm going to take mm. Virginia Tech. I like what Mac Brown's done at North Carolina, but uh, uh, Justin Fuentes is a head coach at uh, Virginia Tech. He's really got that uh, program headed in the right direction. Uh, oh gosh, I'm, talk, so I'm driving, guys. I'm driving. But uh, I really like Virginia Tech in this game. I mean, they have put the running game together. They've uh, recruiting good now. Uh, I'll take Virginia Tech in this one. So what, just so we got it clear, so Melissa's got it clear here. Would you rather watch paint dry? Grass grow or water freeze? Grass, grass grow or water freeze. Okay. We, in honor of you, Rick, <laughs> we'll put that up as the, as the poll here in, in, in just a bit. Well, guys, we're going to take a break, right. and we'll, we'll, we'll be back. We'll get into some of these other games. Uh, Mo and Rick, yeah, you I'm going to let you go because I'm driving. I'm, I'm literally driving through Nashville now. But I just want to go stand by and let you guys bash my Irish this way. <laughs> hey, hey be, be safe driving through that, through that storm down there. Yeah, right. be safe. Right. Catch you all later. <laughs> we'll see you. Mo, are you sticking around? You got to go. I got to go watch uh, some water freeze. So, unfortunately, I got to take off. Okay, buddy. We'll talk with you soon, man. Have a good weekend. All right, guys. Have a great weekend. All right. Mo for the BS Sports Show and a cameo appearance from Rick uh, Riggin. Uh, yeah, I, we just had to poke the bear too much there, right, Scott? <laughs> oh, knew, we, we knew he wasn't going to resist. You know, and, and, and I think I was, we I think we were taking Notre Dame. I I took Florida State, so uh, you guys took Notre oh, Dame. Okay. So oh, I, you're, you are yeah. upset city this week. I am upset city, and and I was gonna right before he called in, I was just gonna say that Rick texted me that his uh, his uh, his first concert was Warrant, Slaughter, and Quiet Riot. That does not surprise me one bit. That was his first concert. <laughs> not, not at all. So we'll be right back right here, and we, we are talking about our favorite concerts. Certainly feel free to tweet us or call in and, and talk with us about who your first concert was. And certainly we're honoring uh, Eddie Van Halen, a legend rocker uh, who we, we lost this week right here on The Balance. Uh, we honor him, and uh, we appreciate uh, his his contribution uh, to, the, uh, to the rock community. We'll be right back right here on The Balance Radio Network. bond that lasted until his final moments on this earth. 
Valerie was spotted for the first time yesterday outside the home of her and Eddie's 29-year-old son, Wolfgang. Our source says he is taking the death of his father particularly hard. Valerie revealed they were both by Eddie's side when he passed away from cancer at just 65 years old. She posted this beautiful family snapshot with the caption, quote, I'm so grateful Wolfie and I were able to hold you in your last moments. I will see you in our next life, my love. Eddie was remarried to his second wife, Janie, since 2009. She paid tribute on social media saying, quote, my heart and soul have been shattered into a million pieces. A source close to the family tells E.T. Eddie's cancer battle took a turn for the worst this past weekend. He was on life support in the hospital for more than 24 hours before he died. Wolfie says hi. Can you go? E.T. has seen firsthand through the years just how devoted of a father Eddie was. Wolfie even went on tour with Van Halen starting in 2007. At first I was like, no, no. No, you're not going on tour with your dad. But then he, he talked to me. He said, listen, Mom, this is a chance for me to really get close to Dad. It really did end up being a good thing for him. Betty and Wolfie in the same band. That's what you, uh, family is everything at the end of the day. I spoke with KISS frontman Gene Simmons, who has known Eddie from the start. He saw an unsigned Van Halen perform in 1977 and produced their first demo. I was just honored and lucky enough to be there to witness the greatness before it exploded on the world. Do you have a favorite memory with Eddie? Yeah, Kiss was in the studio. Eddie called and uh, said that he wanted to come down and, hey, let me play you uh, this thing we just did. He goes, yeah, yeah, it's called, uh, you know, Jump. Eddie was a visionary. Go home, dim the lights, crank up the body, put on some Van Halen. I spoke exclusively with another rock star reeling at Eddie's loss, his former tour mate, Ozzy Osbourne. But I can't what will the legacy of Eddie Van Halen be? He was phenomenal. He watched the guy, you know, to see a master play an instrument like that. It's a joy to watch. He had so much more to give. I just feel so bad for his family. Today, John Bon Jovi told CBS This Morning, Eddie was a huge inspiration for his own career. Every teenager of my era couldn't look at an electric guitar and not wish that they could play like Eddie Van Halen. Guitar World magazine ranked Eddie the number one greatest guitarist of all time. But did you know he's the mastermind behind this iconic guitar solo? Eddie was uncredited and unpaid for that Beat It cameo. E.T. was on set of that legendary video in 1983. Back to Gene Simmons. He told me that at one point, Eddie tried to quit Van Halen and join Kiss because he wasn't getting along with one of his bandmates. Thankfully, Gene talked him out of it. You know, Eddie really will be missed.
All right, and welcome back to The Balance. Uh, we're finishing up our college football uh, hour here. Certainly a tribute to Eddie Van Halen, legendary rocker. Lost his battle to cancer at the age of 69, I believe. He was 69 uh, and, and unfortunate. So just a good little story there that uh, we picked up. And thanks to Entertainment Tonight for uh, putting that t- together. Uh, really uh, a, a great uh, band and a great Overall rockers, certainly all rockers or all people may have their, their shadows and their and their demons that they dealt with, uh, but you, you got to uh, give credit where credit's due. He was certainly one of the legendary, uh, from our from my genre anyway, from my age uh, group, uh, that, uh, that uh, brought a lot to the music uh, world. Um, but we also are talking some rocking college football with Scott Lamb. Rick Riggin made a cameo appearance on his vacation drive down to Florida. Uh, Mo from the BS Sports Show joined us. We talked about some of our, our picks of the week and our top picks, but we've got a few other games to, to talk about, Scott, here, and we'll just kind of roll through these. You know, uh, this wasn't one of our games of the week this week, but certainly uh, it will be an interesting matchup. Uh, we've got number four against uh, number 21, Texas A&M, and, and Texas A&M at home there. Yeah, so I I went chalk pretty much all morning, but I'm not going chalk on this one. This one I'm I'm going <laughs> to take A and M. I think they're going to win on a last second field goal, and 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 this is why. Uh, you look at A and M's last five games. So uh, dating back to last season, they played number four Georgia at the time last year. Defensive game, they lost 19-13. They played number two LSU again. I think they're one of the all-time teams dominated by LSU. Uh, they beat Oklahoma State in the bowl game, who was ranked. They opened the season this year. They beat Vandy. Uh, and then they lose last week to number two, Alabama. That's a, that's a complete team. Uh, I really like the, the trash to pits connection out of Florida. I think that they have a great offense. But their defense, I mean, in the SEC, if you don't have a defense, you're, you're not winning a championship. Uh, Florida's given up 471 yards a game on defense. And it's not one-sided. It is, this isn't teams that they're blowing out. And it's a bunch of gar- bunch of garbage time passing yards. They're getting up 327 in the air and 143 on the ground. Uh, I think uh, A&M with just the mayhem of a schedule they've played over the last five games. I think A&M wins at home in College Station this week against Florida on last second field goal. You know, I'm going to roll with Texas A&M. I had them anyway. I- I'm going to go with this. This is going to be a big upset to, to Florida. Uh, you know, it'll be we'll get our tweets to say uh, upset alert. But I'm gonna roll with you on this one. Texas A&M wins by a field goal uh, at home uh, this weekend uh, against against Florida. Uh, let's go ahead and go on over to the two Tigers, uh, LSU number 17 uh, on the road against Missouri. Uh, yeah, I mean Missouri is one of those bottom feeders in the SEC that if you you get you got them on your schedule for your week, you can, can you almost consider it a bye week. Uh, really good week for LSU to keep their ball rolling. Uh, I, I like LSU in this game. I again, I've, I've been rolling with the upset. So why 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 stop now? Why stop now? And Missouri's at home, so just to just to keep things rolling, I'm going to go ahead and say Missouri upsets LSU. Just 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 for us. S and G's, brother. Just because. Just just That's right. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the Texas Texas Raiders uh, on the road against the Cyclones, uh, Iowa State. So, so there's three unbeaten's left in in the Big Twelve as far as conference plays go. You have Oklahoma State, Iowa State, and Kansas State. Oklahoma State's the only one that's unbeaten overall. Uh, they got a bye week this week, so we'll at least have one unbeaten left after this week. 
but I'm going to take Texas Tech to go into Iowa State and beat them. I'm going to roll with you on that one, too, as well. Texas Tech does beat Iowa State uh, on, on the road as well. So let's go ahead and, and move on over to Arkansas against number 13, Auburn. What say you, sir? Yeah, Auburn just ran into a buzzsaw last week against Georgia. Uh, I, I had tweeted out that I had a 14 parlay, and uh, all I needed was in that night game was Auburn to go beat Georgia. And I wasn't a real big believer in Georgia just because they were on their fourth quarterback in, in their first two games. Uh, but, man, that Georgia defense is for real. And if, if you got a good defense, I mean, uh, almost an NFL-caliber defense is what they have dating back over their last two and a half, three seasons. Uh and so Auburn just ran into it, and they just they could they they were they moved the ball a little bit, but I don't think they crossed midfield to almost halftime. Uh, they put up six points against Georgia. I'm not going to give a lot of uh, clout to what Auburn did against Georgia. I think Georgia's just uh, superior. Uh, but I think I mean now Auburn gets to come back and, and show what they really are. I think they are truly a top 15 team. Uh, they have no problem with Arkansas. Um, no, I, I don't see anything here that tells me anything different, anything uh, that says that, I mean, this might be a shocker to the world if this happened, but I can't see Arkansas going on the road to Auburn. Auburn is a, is a top caliber team. They're certainly proven that they can, they can play with the best of the teams. And so I, I see no reason to go against the train on that one. And so I'll go with the Auburn as, as well. On that one, we got one other game I don't I think we've touched yet, and that's UTSA on the road against number 15 BYU. Again, nothing really exciting to to talk about in this game. Uh, but what say you, sir? Uh, I I am a little excited about we BYU. They're 15th right now. Uh, I I mean they're going to roll in this game huge. They might win by 40 points, no problem. Uh, I'm excited to see BYU going forward. So it's this week, and then they're going to play against next Friday on a nationally televised game. And if, and if you're not looking at the group of five yet, next Friday you're going to have SMU 18 and BYU 15. If you ain't if you don't have anything else to watch on Friday, watch those two teams and get some uh, get some group of five under your belt. That plus the Wednesday night game against the Sunday unbeaten Coast Carolina and Louisiana. Uh, let's start paying attention to these group of fives because with what's going on with the Big 12, uh, Oklahoma State, you know, another loss, and Big 12 might not have a college football playoff team. Uh, you picked a lot of upsets today in the top five, so if we start getting a lot of one and two lost teams, let's look for one of these group of fives to get in there, and, and BYU is one of those contenders. Yeah, absolutely, and and I, I'm going to go with BYU. I don't see anything, like I said, that tells me anything anything different on that, so – I'm I'm gonna go with that. So let's uh let's go. I know you're a betting guy here, and I'm gonna just go ahead. We'll spend the last few minutes just gonna uh, turn the the line over to you on the uh, no pun intended uh, on on the on the betting, and I'm gonna just pull up what I've got here, and it may not match what you got, but we're just gonna go go through these uh, kind of in rapid fire, if you will, and go with the cover, and you kind of give the betting advice on these particular games. Doesn't necessarily have to be the pick that you already picked for the game because these are games obviously that we've already talked about uh, but I just want to go through here we'll start doing this on a regular basis and, and and start making sure that we have the spreads out there we got Virginia Tech at North Carolina at um, minus 5.5 yeah North so uh, I'm you have you have North Carolina at minus 5.5 uh, some sites you can still get them down as low as three uh, I have North Carolina in this game 30 to 27. So I have it North Carolina by three. So if you can get it at three and a half or above, take Virginia Tech. 
You can get less than three, take North Carolina. But if it's at on the number on three, stay away from the game. So we look at Texas, Oklahoma, and what we're look, what the spread I'm looking at now is uh, minus two point five Oklahoma. Yeah, I like Oklahoma by three in this game. Uh, it's another one I'll stay away from, but I do want to take the over on this game. The over right now that I show is seventy two and a half. I like that. I like both teams to get plus thirty five in this game, and I think it will go <laughs> over. I think one of the teams will have forty, someone else is going to be like thirty eight, thirty nine. We look at Florida and Texas AM, and we got we look at a plus six point five there. Uh, I this one I, I I took the upset I took A and M I'll take them on the money line I think they're going to take a get win it by a field goal at the end uh, so Florida's five to six and a half points that's where it's fluctuating I don't really care about what Florida's favored by I think Oklahoma A and M this is one I take the money line on because I think A and M wins outright South Carolina at Vanderbilt plus twelve. Yeah, so uh, I like Vanderbilt's defense and what they did, you know, especially that 17-12. to 12, They lost 17-12 to 12 against A&M, but they were down – they were underdogs by 31 in that game. Uh, South Carolina, man, it's, it's been tough for them. They're, they're, they're two games, but they were, they were in one, one to two score games in both games against uh, Georgia in, uh, in Tennessee. Uh, I think that South Carolina wins, but I think they win it by about 10 points. Duke at Syracuse plus one point five. Ah, uh, this is a this is a ugly ugly game. Uh, Duke's zero and four. Uh, I mean, yeah, they've they've had some tough competition, but your their tough competition consists of Notre Dame, Virginia Tech, and Boston College. Uh, so it, it's been a little bit of a buzzsaw of a schedule for them. Uh, I I think Duke wins, uh, and it's going to be a field goal game. So probably I'd probably stay away from that also. Tennessee at Georgia, minus 14. Which, which one do you say? Tennessee at Georgia. Tennessee, Georgia. I got Georgia. This is, my, this is my one lock of the week that if I'm doing three and 14 parlays, Georgia's in every one of them. Georgia covers. If Tennessee scores two touchdowns, then they've accomplished something against that Georgia team that's given up 10 points a game over the last 15 if you take away the LSU game from last year. Uh, I like Georgia big. I like Georgia. I, I like to take this game in the over if Georgia can score 40 points. Uh, but definitely Georgia's covering that line by probably a touchdown. Texas Tech at Iowa State, minus 12.5. Yeah, I'm, I'd like Texas Tech to win this. Uh, I wouldn't take them on a money line, but I will take them to cover the spread. Almost every Big 12 yeah. game has been a one-score game this year. Yeah. Uh, your your guys, the Kansas uh, Kansas State at TCU minus nine. Well, not 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 to be the homer, but I've been watching this <laughs> line go, and, and consistently this line this line is moving. It's, it opened around eight. I see. I saw it early this morning about nine point five, and now you're saying it's around nine. So the 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 shark money is starting to come back towards Kansas State. Uh, if if this line is over seven seven and a half, and with the way the Big 12 games have been going and everything's a one-score game, I'm going to take Kansas State to cover that spread. Pittsburgh at Boston College, a plus 4.5. Plus 4.5 against Boston College. And, man, they constantly seem to be like they're in a three-point or less ball game. I'm going to take Boston College to cover the spread against Pittsburgh at four, at four and a half. Arkansas at Auburn, minus 14. Uh, I think Auburn comes out and they roll. I think we get to see them. They, I mean, they didn't get in the end zone last week. They had a couple field goals. 
they really struggled to move the ball against a very, very good defense in Georgia. Uh, I like Auburn to come out and, and blow that line away. Probably uh, win it by – Certainly, this falls right in line with what we were talking about earlier, but Alabama at Ole Miss, plus 24. Uh, man, I, I just – I really like Alabama, and they're running – they run offense this week. I think that's a lot to cover if you're going to be – if you're going to run the ball against a very poor uh, run defense for Ole Miss, and Ole Miss has been giving up a lot of yards just on defense in general. Uh, but I don't know if they cover 24. I, th- I think they get really close. It's, I, I have, I'm going to have Alabama by 22. Mississippi State at Kentucky, minus three. Uh, I like Kentucky in this game. Uh, minus three, I, I think that's, that might be a push. If you can get it to two and a half or three and a half, then, uh, then it's a betting. Uh, two and a half, you're going to take Kentucky. Three and a half, you're going to have to go down to Mississippi State. Miami Hurricanes at Clemson, minus 15. Uh, I I'm gonna. I got Clemson by 14. I actually have the score 37-23. So you get, you got to watch that one. 37-23 uh, is what I got. If it's that minus 15, I'm gonna take Miami. LSU at Missouri plus 14. Uh, man, Missouri is just again another one of those teams that's just running into a buzzsaw of a schedule. Uh, they constantly seem to be like they're in that 12 to 15 range. I really like the line, but I'm gonna stay away from it. I'm gonna have LSU by 13. And finally, Florida State at Notre Dame, minus 20.5. Okay, so if that line moves, I'm taking it. I had it at minus 21, and I think that's going to be the push. I'm going to have this game as a 37-16. So if it stays below 21, take the line and take Notre Dame. Talking with Scott Lamb uh, today in our in our foot college football hour, it's about time to wrap it up and put a bow on it. We're going to be talking with Tony uh, Donahue from Tony T Podcast. Going to be breaking down this week in racing. Uh, of course, uh, we had a, a, a great week of racing here at Indianapolis uh, Motor Speedway last week. Uh, two great races on Friday and Saturday last week. So we'll recap that. Of course, we've got some NASCAR action also to talk about uh, com- coming up next. But um, Again, uh, uh, Scott, where can people find your work in Masterpieces, sir? I'm, I'm, oh, yeah, so uh, so find me up. Look me up on Twitter. <laughs> no, I. N-F-N-T-R-Y, blue like the color, 1978. Uh, look, I, I haven't been real active. I'm trying to get this thing working. Uh, I'm still pretty new with this. This is my third week, but I feel like I'm starting to hit my groove and my sweet spot. Uh, so I'll start getting this Twitter thing going. But, again, it's Infantry Blue 1978. All right, buddy. We appreciate it, man, and, and thanks for all your advice and insight. Thanks uh, for, uh, uh, you know, uh, run, running with uh, me solo without Rick, uh, although he did make a cameo appearance. So, anyway, I hope you, I hope you have yourself a good weekend, sir, and we're going to get everything up on social media. Let me know how your parlay turns out. Yeah, uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to – Go with. I'm going to run with you on Tom on that one that we talked about earlier, and uh, I'm man, that, that'd be a real nice one to hit. Just throw a couple bucks on it and see what happens. All right, buddy. We'll talk with you soon. Have yourself a good weekend. Hey, take care. Look forward to some good sports coming up this week. Yes, sir. Scott Lamb joined us uh, for a college football hour. Rick Riggin made a cameo appearance. Uh, yes, we are glad to hear from him. And, uh, and, of course, Mo from the BS Sports Show joins us as well. We're breaking down college football, and, and we're going to be doing this every week, in, in, at least during the college season anyway. And, and we're going to be breaking down the uh, 
toward the end, we're going to go through the, the line so that you can get your betting set up and, and ready to go. We'll be right back. Tony Donahue from the Tony D Podcast joins to talk some racing. of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. Okay, okay. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4 on 4 with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get is when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, they're It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. Give me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. All right, welcome back to The Balance. My name is Tom Marquis, 917-889-8516. One hour in the books. Thanks to Scott Lamb and Mo from the BS Sports Show for spending the last hour talking college football uh, with us and breaking down our uh, picks of, of the week. And joining us now uh, to help us get into the racing world is uh, Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast. Tony, how are you? Hey, good morning, Tom. How's it going? 
Good. Hey, we've been spending some time today honoring Eddie Van Halen, certainly a legendary rocker that we lost uh, this week to his battle with cancer. And so we've kind of been talking about who our first concert was, because ironically, my very first concert was Van Halen and Jump. Uh, what, what was your uh, first concert? I know I'm that old. Yes, Tony, I am that old. But go ahead. <laughs> um, my first concert was a small band named Lighthouse, and I only went because my older sister was going and she couldn't go unless I went. Um, so my, uh, my, I guess my first concert kind of on my own as an adult, if I'm not mistaken, um, was actually John Mayer, which I'm totally cool with because John Mayer <laughs> is awesome. You're, you're cool with your manhood with John Mayer. That's okay. Totally. I'm, 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 you said Lighthouse? Uh, band called Lifehouse. They had like one hit. Was that a Christian group? I was. Uh, I'm thinking of a group. So. I don't think so. Oh, okay. 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 Yeah. Well, great. Fantastic. So, uh, you know, it's, it's Eddie Van Halen, though. He was certainly one of one of the best. So we're we're kind of uh, paying tribute to him. We just got done talking about our college football, and and I know you're in the the betting world too. So we'll just go ahead and let you uh, give us your uh, college. Uh, football uh, picks and, and lines. We just went through all the lines as, as we've seen them right now, but go ahead and if you want to add to anything, go right ahead, sir. Yeah, I'm intrigued by uh, this 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 Florida-Texas A&M matchup. Florida is a team that's got one of the best uh, tight ends in the country. Um, and he's a guy and, and, and Florida's a team that needs to go on the road in the SEC and blow some teams out because, you know, they're ranked third in the country and in order to do so, in order to continue to move up and, 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 and have a chance, they're going to need to, to have some mega wins, some huge wins. And if you can get on the road and beat Texas A&M and if Clemson were to struggle against Miami, all of a sudden you're looking at maybe a top two, two ranking. So in, intrigued by that Florida game, looking forward to Notre Dame, Florida State tonight. I don't think uh, Notre Dame will have any, um, will have any, any, any challenges with Florida State. Um, a lot of tricky games on the docket today, though, as well. Yeah. Uh, well, I tell you what, I went against the grain, and and uh, Rick was is on vacation. He's a big Notre Dame guy, but he had to he had to call in and give it to everybody in the world is going against with Notre Dame. But I uh, picked up Florida State. The spread, uh, the line on that is minus twenty point five, so that's probably mm-hmm. uh, one to steer clear from. But hey, you know we we've all got to have our have our dark dark horses. That's for sure. Well, let's get into some IndyCar talk, and then we'll get into some NASCAR talk. Appreciate you jumping on with us, Tony Donahue from the Tony D Podcast. Tony, some great wet racing. Here in Indianapolis last week. I'm just going to turn it over to you. Give us a recap of the entire weekend. That's certainly great uh, weekends uh, for both the team. A uh, uh, great weekend for for t- uh, Team Penske as far as uh, wins out there at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Yeah, you know, you think about um, Roger Penske and, and adding, you know, the the doubleheader to make up for what they lost in COVID and some of the races that they lost, like in Birmingham and Detroit. Um, I think if uh, Roger Penske had his way. He would put the IndyCar road course uh, race at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway on the schedule every week. His, his drivers have won all the races. His team has won all the races but one. The inaugural running back in 2014, I believe, went to Simon Pagano, but obviously he's a Team Penske driver now. Um, interesting to see, um, you know, Renus VK, I thought, had an awesome Friday last week. You and I talked about that. Um, K on Saturday, I thought Jack Harvey quietly had a good race, but Joseph Newgarden putting pressure um, on Scott Dixon 
going down to that last race, he's still got a chance to wrap the, to win the championship. I think Dixon's going to have to finish eighth or worse, and New Garden would have to win. So, so yes, it is a long shot, but I, I, I do believe that uh, we saw good racing last week. It wasn't good racing up towards the front. There really wasn't a lot of passes for the lead, but but the battles throughout the top ten were, were fun and exciting and uh, really enjoyed being out at Indianapolis Motor Speedway last week in nice fall, crisp weather. Uh, Will Power wins. Joseph Newgarden wins. Power was dominant on on sat- on Saturday. We didn't see a lot of cautions throughout the entire weekend uh, for IndyCar, which kind of made the race spread out. We saw Colton Herta, your guy, battling up towards the front uh, both days. Joseph Newgarden obviously getting that win on Friday. So, But, again, you know how it is with Team Penske. If, if, if it's a fuel mileage race and it's a stretch towards the end and the only time to make passes and to get up front is during the pit stops and the in and out laps, Usually Penske dominates that. Tony, let's talk a little bit about we're gonna we got one one race left and that's St. Pete. Uh, break that down for us and uh, certainly uh, who who do you think we're gonna ha- is gonna end up being our champion? Certainly at this point it looks like it could be Scott Dixon, but uh, you know Joseph Newgarden is certainly deep into the hunt uh, for that and is trying to, to chop away the, the points as well. Uh, so before we get into the silly season and the funny season, uh, we we got one more race to run uh, at St. Pete. Talk with us about that. Yeah, uh, it's crazy to think at St. Pete you have Scott Dixon who's never won down there, and I don't believe Joseph Newgarden has won down there either. Joseph might have one win. Um, it's a tricky track, and, and, and drivers will tell you when it comes to road courses, uh, most of the street courses, it, the track is so different every time you go there because, you know, 350 days out of the year, it's, a, it's an actual road, you know, for cars to drive on, and, and you get wear and tear and bumps, and it's just different. So um, with the lack of practice time, lack of preparation, you're going to have to get your car dialed in immediately, uh, qualify up towards the front because it's a tricky track to get around, and it's a tricky track to uh, make moves. So it's, it's going to be important down at St. Pete to qualify up front um, and, then, and then stay clean. It, it, it's a tough track with tight turns where your day could easily go to term real quickly. So um, we'll see if Scott Dixon can just stay consistent, qualify up towards that top ten, Stay top ten all day, and he'll wrap up a sixth championship. Well, it'd be great to see him see him win that uh, championship. Certainly down there in St. Pete, and, and like you said, it's a it's a it's a tough uh, course uh, to run. Well. As, as we go into the off season, as we or we call it the silly season or the funny season, uh, we, we you know there's always uh, questions and there's always things that 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 wrap around things from schedules uh, to teams to drivers to the moving around. And uh, I think we've got the the new IndyCar schedule. I'm pretty sure that we that's came out here recently. So talk with us about that. Any surprises there? Anything that you're looking for on the schedule for 2021? Um, you know, you, 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 the first thing that comes to mind is just the fact that there's just simply not as many ovals as what we thought, and a lot of IndyCar fans, I think, are disappointed in that, knowing that it looks like Chicagoland Speedway, Tom, is going to go away completely. Um, mm-hmm. You know, down, down the road, an hour and 45 minutes or two hours, it's Kentucky Speedway. They lost the NASCAR race. You thought maybe some opportunity for IndyCar to say, hey, you know, let's, uh, let's go to some more ovals around the Midwest that our fans can travel to. Um, but that just simply didn't happen, and I know you kind of had to put a you had to put a calendar and a schedule together and figure things out. But uh, you know, I would love to see more ovals. Tom, we talked about you know just the safety of yeah, this sport and, and the new aero screen, 
And, you know, it's, it's been the safest the sports has been since I can remember probably of all time. And they wanted to get away from ovals because of the danger. And, you know, you lost two drivers in the, in the 2010, so to speak. And I get that. But now with the aero screen and how important, um, you know, it, it is to have those, those great racing back, I, I think they're missing an opportunity. And I hope to see more ovals on the schedule back in uh, back in 2022 because we're not going to be going to Iowa for IndyCar next year. We're not going to be going to Richmond. St. Louis is a great time and a great track, but the passing wasn't there when they were there last month. So um, I would love to see more ovals, uh, to be honest with you, coming up in 2022. There's the opportunities are out there. Hopefully IndyCar is, is pursuing that avenue. And what is it, a 16-17 race schedule next year? Maybe 2022 we see more ovals and we see uh, 20 races. Let's look at uh, some of these uh, teams in the in the uh, silly season. We look at AJ Foyt Racing. I mean, I, I don't know what it's going to look like in 2021. I don't know exactly what we know for sure about Tony Kanaan. I think he announced that he's going to be retiring. We've got Charlie Kimball, I believe Dalton Kelton, and Sebastian Bourdais. And, but Sebastian Bourdais missed, you know, uh, quite a bit of time this year, obviously, because he was the first one to, to be uh, tested positive for uh, COVID-related uh, incidents. Uh, so uh, as we look at AJ Foyt, racing what do you look for them to do in the silly season yeah i mean it, it really all comes down to money and they've committed to sebastian Bourdais for next year you know he was he was going to take some of the schedule this 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 year uh for that number 14 car but with COVID happening and and some of the races going away and sponsorships going away he didn't get to run until uh you know at the Indianapolis motor speedway last week and i'll get to run st pete so um um if you're foyd i i think you know, you, you committed the board day and maybe you allow Kimball and Kellett to split that number four car um, and just continue to have Kellett learn um, and just gain experience. And the only way to gain that experience is, is, is to get them out there at races. So um, I could definitely see them going two. I could definitely see them going two cars for next year, full time and possibly a third car at the 500. Let's look at Andretti, uh, Andretti Autosports. Uh, certainly there's a lot of work for Andretti to uh, team to complete before three of its five drivers can be retained. We look at Ryan Hunter-Ray, Marco Andretti, Zach Veach, uh, and, of course, in the other parts of the team is Colton Herta. Uh, Andretti Autosports in the silly season, what do they do? Yeah, and again, kind of like Boyd, this really comes down to sponsorship. We know that um, the 27 car, Alexander Rossi's locked up, and Colton Hurd is locked up. They've got sponsors committed for next year. Zach Veach is out of the 26 cars we talked about last week. As James Hinchcliffe filled in, does James Hinchcliffe have enough money to run full time with with Genesis as as a partner? As we saw, you know they're a first time sponsor coming into the sport this year. Um, you know Ryan Hunter Ray is DHL going to come back? DHL spent a lot of money for Ryan Hunter Ray to be in that car. And is he going to be back in? I mean, Ryan Hunter-Ray is in his 40s. He, he's been competitive, but he hasn't, you know, been been a guy that you that you would still want to race this year. Um, so intriguing to see what Andretti does because it's all about the money, Tom, as you know, who can bring the sponsorship. And then if, if you bring that sponsorship money, um, how does that help the rest of the team? So um, Marco will more than likely be back. I don't think Marco's going anywhere next year. I think he stays. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see what they decide to do. Do they move Colton Herta maybe to that 26 car and bring some, you know, bring somebody over to the 88? Um, there's just a lot of different intriguing scenarios that could go on with Andretti Autosport, and we'll have to see what happens. 
So with Marco, and you know, we know that he won the pole this this year, but he's he's not really done anything exciting as far as wins go. I'm wondering, is his job secure because he's obviously Michael Andretti's son and, and Mario Andretti's grandson? Is his job secure because of that, or do they sometimes need to make a business decision, even if it is family? Well, I mean, he's got ownership on, on, on that car. So it's one of those things where, Hey, Michael, his father has kind of set him up like your post, your post racing life, you know, you could still be, um, you know, you could still be an owner and do some strategy if you like, but uh, it's easier to get sponsors when, you know, you can say, Hey, the Andretti name is going to be in that car. You know, you're going to be sponsoring a driver with the last name. And that goes that goes a long way than, than saying, hey, you're going to be sponsoring, you know, Joe Smith, who's going to be in that car. You know, Andretti, it's still a household name, especially in IndyCar. Um, the broadcast is always going to show him and show that name at least once throughout the day. Um, and in Indianapolis, you know, he, 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 again, was on the pole this year, but he just simply has not been able to perform in, in races. And, uh, you know, like you said, eventually – Michael Andretti is going to say, all right, we set you up for a great post-career, post-racing career. It's time to move on to that. Yeah, I totally agree with that. You know, another curious team, Errol McLaren, uh, certainly uh, Sam Schmidt says that uh, – McCollum and there, uh, Sam Schmidt says that Pato Award and, and Oliver Askew will be back next year. But we, we, we saw some curiosities there. We saw Henshin. We saw Elio Castroneves maybe auditioning for a job. Who, who do we think might end up in that third car there with Arrow uh, next year? Yeah. Um, it, I'm sorry. It, 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 with Andretti, my fault. That was my fault. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's one of those things where, you know, I think, you know, having a new, having a kind of a new team with McLaren coming in with not a lot of information and having two rookies, um, you know, it was, it was, it was a good thing to get a veteran in there like Elio Neves who brings so much experience and can and can help teach Pato Award and help teach Oliver Askew as well. I think Pato Award has had a great year. Um, he is right there in the championship. He's been pretty much consistent everywhere he's gone. He's shown speed. Um, but, yeah, I, I think we'll see both of those cars back, and we could possibly maybe see a third car, uh, maybe what Elio did with Penske the last couple of years. Maybe you maybe you see Elio Castroneves come and run. The Indianapolis 500 as well as the road course race uh, to start off that mark with McLaren. I certainly think that that's a possibility because I think Elio Castroneves is going to try to try for his fourth Indianapolis 500 until he's 50 years old. No, I, I thought you were, you were saying something else there. I apologize there. Uh, well, uh, let's talk a little bit about Carlin racing. What do you look for uh, to come out of Carlin racing in the silly season um, as well? Yeah, I thought Max Chilton had some speed this year. Um, he's not going to be in contention to win any races, but you know they kind of were put on the map with with Col- or with uh, with Connor Daly at Iowa qualifying um, qualifying on the pole at Iowa. It was Connor's first career pole, so it's shown that 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 a team that you can say, you know, hey, this team is ready to make that next step. We just simply need a driver that's willing to commit and willing to be there full-time and willing to run all the races. Um, so I think that's a team that, that, that's on the rise, a team that um, can, can possibly get a, get a young up-and-coming talent in that car full-time next year to run all the races and have a chance to, uh, to compete for some podiums. 
Local guy Ed Carpenter, what's he going to take care of here in the in the off season? Well, I think you want to lock back up Renus VK. Renus has shown um, that. Oh yeah, you know, most definitely. Yeah, he had a blunder. At, he had a blunder at Texas, and 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 it was a learning curve. And you know, it was his first time on an oval. On top of the fact that you had the COVID going on, so there wasn't really a lot of testing or practice that went on. Um, so I think you, I think you lock back up on um, Renus VK, and if Connor Daly wants to come back and has that Air Force money, you certainly welcome that. Um, with open arms, but again, if Connor has enough money to be full time, um, you know maybe he takes that money over to Andretti and, and 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 reunites with with Michael Andretti like he was with last year for the 500. Um, if Connor's got that money, Ed'll take it. Um, but if Connor wants to go full time, then Ed needs to make a decision to say, okay, can we run Connor full time in what would be the 20 car, but maybe rebranded as a different number, and then have Ed run the ovals on a third car in the 20 car. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that goes down because at the end of the day, as you know, it all comes down to money, as I just mentioned. And mm-hmm. if Connor has that money, he wants to take it to a team where he can be competitive and win races. So uh, it will be really interesting to see what Ed Carpenter does, but I certainly think he will definitely lock back up on Renus VK and that number 21 car. Chip Ganassi Racing, I mean, I'm pretty confident in saying anyway that uh, Scott Dixon will be back. Uh, certainly you've got uh, Rosenquist uh, there as well. Uh, what, do, what do we see happening, if anything, in the silly season with uh, Chip Ganassi Racing? Yeah, I think they're locked up. I think you have Marcus Eric um, in that car. Again, the eight-car full-time. Felix Rosenquist won his first race this year. He's not going anywhere. Scott Dixon is not going anywhere. But you certainly could see a fourth car, maybe with a partnership somewhere along the line, a fourth car that has Jimmy Johnson in it on road courses and street courses, which I certainly think we're going to see. Jimmy Johnson is going to run the road courses next year for Ganassi, it looks like. Hasn't been locked up officially. Um, but I certainly think that he will be. And then if the, if the sponsorship is there for that car, maybe you run – the Indianapolis 500 with a big name like Juan Pablo Montoya um, or somebody who has a big, big name recognition to go alongside of what Jimmy Johnson is going to be doing on the road courses. We're talking with Tony D Tony Donahue, the Tony D podcast joins to talking some IndyCar. We're going to get into the NASCAR talk here. Let's talk about last week at Dega. Big win for Diddy Hamlin and sort of a, a nail-biter uh, And uh, in, in that race. Give us a recap of, of Talladega, and then we'll, we'll break down this weekend's racing down in Charlotte. Yeah, uh, so a couple years ago, if you remember, Tony Stewart was racing at Talladega, and I think he flipped upside down and landed on his lid. And he said, you know, I, I don't think we crashed enough cars today. We should line it up and, 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 and not do a checkered flag until every car has crash damage. That's kind of what last week felt like. It just simply felt like it was wreck after wreck, and then they got laid into that race, and we saw more wrecks. And uh, Denny Hamlin survived, got forced below the yellow line. I thought Matt Matt Benedetto was going to pick up his first career win. That didn't happen. And, you know, it was just chaos there at the end, Tom. And Denny Hamlin, who was probably the best restrictor plate racer in NASCAR Cup right now, um, kind of just slid his way by into a win. Um so, but I, I just thought it was chaos, and uh, it puts guys like Kyle Busch uh, up against it tomorrow when they hit the roll. My roll, <laughs> I, 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 so it's, it's part road course and it's part oval. I thought that was a very neat concept uh, when they started uh, doing that. Do you think that IndyCar will ever come up with a roll? 
Yeah, I mean, they did that test. Was that last year they did a little test for NBC and Joseph Newgarden went around? Um, I certainly think so. I certainly think it's it's a cool track. Um, it's in Penske's backyard because Penske is, um, you know, located in Charlotte. I think that it's a, it's, it's a track that I think would be great for IndyCar. You might have to adjust it a little bit, have some different runoff areas, have some different uh, plans of attack so you're not going straight into a wall. Now, going to that first turn, if you miss that first turn, you're going to go straight into that wall. So they would have to do some adjustments to the actual track. But I certainly think it's a possibility. So do you think that there could be some modifications done to Indianapolis Motor Speedway to have a road course, to have an oval, and a, a roval? Do you think that's possible? I think just the way that the track is right now and how it's a permanent road course inside, and you've got the sweeping turns. Um, you know, I, I, I think they don't want to do that because it maybe takes some of the way the mystique. So, you you know, Formula One used to sweep off of oval turn number one onto the straightaway. But um, I, cert- I, I just don't think we will see that um, at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Just not enough banking as we see at Charlotte. Um, and, and it makes sense at Charlotte because it's a smaller track. But when you've got a when you've got a Formula One certified track inside of Indianapolis Motor Speedway, um, it would be dumb not to uh, not to continue to run that and switch it up. So one of the issues that we're going to run into on Sunday looks like it's highly likely. Obviously, we've been following this storm uh, down in Florida and Louisiana. It's going to be making its way up the East Coast. Probably will be there by Sunday. So they're going to be having that hurricane effect weather, if you will, on Sunday. How's that affect the race and how's that affect the roval? Yeah, I mean, usually you you can race on these rovals with um, you know with rain tires and, and with a windshield wiper. Uh, which I think we'll see um, coming up tomorrow. And, and that could definitely affect things big time, slip sliding around. So uh, just another factor going into it um, if it does indeed rain tomorrow. So certainly a, a, a track uh, friendly to Kyle Busch, uh, and uh, certainly that he does well there. He's, he's in the hunt for the playoffs. This was the first time we ever said, you know, Kyle Busch may not make the playoffs. How important is this race to Kyle Busch this weekend? I mean, this this makes or breaks the season, right? I mean, you look at a guy, he finished 27th last week, didn't gain a lot of points. Um, you know, it's 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 do or die right here for him. It's do or die because, you know, he's a guy that hasn't won a race this year, which is incredible to think about. You know, one of the best drivers over the last probably, I would say, 10 years not win a race. Um, you know, that starts, to, that starts to kind of kill your confidence. And we know how emotional Kyle Busch can be. Um, inside and outside. Oh, shocker! <laughs> yeah, so, um, it'll be interesting to see. He starts. He starts ninth tomorrow. Um, you got to keep your nose clean because you don't want to fall back and be, you know, running around that top fifteen. And then there's a huge crash and an accident, and then you're, you know, you're kind of screwed over. So, um, big time race tomorrow for Kyle Busch. All eyes are going to be on him, mm-hmm. um, and, and we'll see what we can do. He's he's not been good. On the Rovals, or on the Roval, he's got a 30th place, 32nd place finish, and a 37th place finish. Well, we know one thing: Chase Elliott and Martin Truex Jr. have combined to win seven of the last ten road course events, with Elliott winning the last three. If Elliott can make at fourth straight, he would have sole possession of the second most consecutive road course wins behind Jeff Gordon. Uh, so, pretty big race for uh, Chase Elliott. Yeah, I mean Chase is a guy that it's hard to uh, 
it's hard to bet against tomorrow. Certainly, he's been so good. You know, picked up his picked up what two wins in his career at Watkins Glen. He's won the Roval. Um, I certainly think he is the odds-on favorite tomorrow. Uh, I think a dark horse could be Ryan Blaney. Uh, he's a guy that has ran well on the Rovals, uh, but definitely Chase Elliott has to be your number one contender tomorrow. Let's talk about the other Bush brother, uh, Kurt Bush and Denny Hamlin. Certainly have locked things in, and certainly after the race uh, last week at Talladega, the win with Talladega, this win this weekend with at, at Charlotte would be a huge win for Denny Hamlin, and certainly uh, Kurt, Kurt Bush is right there as well. Uh, what are your thoughts on on Kurt Bush and Denny Hamlin at, at Charlotte? Yeah, I, I think you, you, those are two guys that, you know, for lack of a better term, you want to stay relaxed. We know that we're locked into the round of eight. We don't have to go out and sacrifice a race car. Uh, but we also need to gain points because those those points do extend over into the next round. Uh, continue. I would just say for both of those guys, continue to stay up, stay up front, stay confident, and uh, just build confidence. You know, it's kind of like, when they run the road course race at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway before the 500, uh, that's a confidence booster. You know, you, you build confidence. Hey, we've ran here well. We understand we've got momentum, and momentum is huge in these NASCAR playoffs. We've seen guys, you know, Tony Stewart did it one year to win a championship, Kyle Busch. We've seen, you know, Kevin Harvick last year. We see guys just stay consistent and get on huge runs, uh, and that propels them to a championship. So uh, really, really looking forward to the roll tomorrow. It's, it's one of the best races of the year. Yeah, absolutely. Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast has joined us uh, to break down some IndyCar and NASCAR. Uh, Tony, uh, uh, who is your official pick for the race uh, tomorrow, and uh, who should we who should we be betting on? Well, I mean, we talked about Chase Elliott is going to be the odds-on favorite. He starts second right there in the, on the front row. Um, you know, we'll see if guys like Kyle Busch can make aggressive moves to the front, Eric Almarola. Uh, Eric Jones, who we know is moving on next year. Um, my my every road course upset pick is always um, going to be Michael McDowell. He starts in the 31st position. Uh, whenever they run a road course or they run on a high bank super speedway, I always put at least 10 bucks on Michael McDowell to finish in the top 10. You can normally get some pretty good odds on that. But um, I'll take Chase Elliott to win tomorrow with Ryan Blaney right behind him in second. Tony, we appreciate you jumping on with us. Where can people find your work at Masterpieces, sir? Yeah, appreciate it. As always, at Tony D. Indy on Twitter. Um, check out my podcast, the Tony D. Podcast, wherever you listen to your podcast. And uh, let's have some fun watching these roller races over the next two days. Sounds good. Thanks, Tony. Have yourself a good day. You too. Take care. Tony Donahue. Tony D. Podcast joins us to help us break down some racing. My name is Sal Marcos, El Presidente. We'll be right back with Ed Kraft, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, who's on the road to Pittsburgh, and he's going to be kind enough to call in and talk with us about what's going on in week five of the NFL right here on the Balance Radio Network.
Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. So the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I've been playing four on four with a barber shark quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it, Geico could save you fifteen percent or more on car insurance. by Ed Kratz here in just a moment. Thanks to Scott Lamb, uh, uh, be a sports show cameo appearance from Rick Bruggen. He's on vacation uh, traveling down through the uh, hurricane weather uh, headed down that way. So I don't know if this is a good time to go down to Florida, but he's headed down there and, and we get our college football hour. And then uh, just joined by Tony Don, who's the Tony D podcast. During this break, it's down for IndyCar and NASCAR. Joining us now on the road to Pittsburgh, Ed Kratz. How are you, sir? Hi, Dom. Hey, uh, pass along my well wishes to Michelle there. Uh, and Melissa. She, Melissa. Melissa. I'm sorry. Yeah, Melissa. Yeah. <laughs> no problem. I'm sorry. I'm driving, yeah, I'm driving here. I just kind of had to pull, switch lanes here, get out of the fast lane. <laughs> no, I no, I, so, I yeah, appreciate pass, pass along yes. my well wishes. Yeah. I will definitely do that. She, uh, was really lucky, and uh, we we, yeah. we took a trip out there to the tow yard to get some stuff out of the car yesterday, and man, it's it was bad. She was lucky, and just things happened, and you know, uh, some brake lights were hit that she didn't see, and it was over. But it was it was just over. So just it was just really lucky that she was able to get out of there with some minor. Well, let's say minor because there's some pretty nasty bruises that she's got, but. Uh, Oh, we're getting through yeah. it. And she's on she's on the social media helm today, so hey, she's a she's a real she's a real trooper, so I appreciate that. So we we really spent yeah. some time talking about Eddie Van Halen. Obviously the loss of yeah. Eddie Van Halen, a legendary rocker. If I'm not mistaken, you also told me that Van Halen was your first concert as well, is that correct? Well, yeah, I mean we're going back, you know, quite a number of years here, but I saw them as the front they were the uh the warm-up act, if you will, for Black Sabbath and Ozzy Osbourne back in, uh, I hate to say the year because it shows how old I am, but it was 1978. <laughs> I was a sophomore in high school at the time. And 
Um, mm-hmm. Not much was known about Van Halen at the time, and they were the opening act, and they only played for maybe an hour. I think they had one album out. They might have played for an hour tops, you know, typical warm-up act stuff. But, man, I, you know, they, I remember the drum solo that Alex did and the guitar solo that Eddie did and, and you know, some of the songs they did from that first album. I, I came out of there thinking, you know, these guys are going to – they're going to be a big hit, man. That was good stuff. So uh, fun, uh, I was fortunate to see him, but that was a long time ago. Yeah, a fun fact about Eddie Van Halen that I learned this week, uh, that he auditioned for KISS. Uh, but he became and remained good friends, although we know he didn't become a part of KISS. Uh, he, had, he, he auditioned and wanted to be a part of KISS uh, and maintained a, a lifelong friendship with Gene Simmons. And when they wrote the song Jump, he went to Gene and he says, hey, Gene, check this song out. What are, you, what are your thoughts about it? And so it's kind of a, a stories behind that and certainly his uh, relationship with Ozzy Osbourne. Obviously, we know Ozzy with, with Black Sabbath as, as well. So uh, great, uh, great memories of, of Eddie Van Halen, certainly a, a legendary uh, rocker. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, this week in the NFL. Well, obviously, we've got the Eagles. And uh, and uh, yeah, the Eagles. I, I had something on, on the Pittsburgh on my, Steelers. That's right. Steelers. I just said you were driving to Pittsburgh. I mean, why? Why else would you? Why in the world would you want to drive to Pittsburgh if they weren't if they weren't playing? So the Eagles are at Pittsburgh. What are right. your thoughts? Uh, well, I mean, the Steelers are coming off you know kind of that forced bye week when the Tennessee Titans. Uh, came down with the COVID there, so they couldn't play last week. And uh, so they're coming in with that extra week of rest. And, you know, we had Mike Tomlin, the Steelers coach, on the line earlier this week, and I asked him about, you know, the benefits to that. And he wasn't sure. But, you know, he said, well, you know, we're still kind of working through what our team looks like. Uh, I know they're 3-0. and um, But, you know, you look at the combined record of the, uh, records of the teams they've beaten, and they're 1-11, and those teams. Now, you know, I know you just play who you play. And, you know, they did beat those teams. They didn't beat them by a lot. Um, and it's a big line on the game this weekend. I think it's seven points in favor of the Steelers. So, um, you know, that might be a kind of an Eagles favored line just because the Steelers really haven't beaten teams by too much that they've played. So, uh, and, you know, the Eagles kind of found their footing a little bit last week in San Francisco, uh, kind of surprised everyone. I don't think anybody, including myself, gave them a chance to win, uh, out there in San Francisco, but, uh, you know, this team looks like it might have found its identity out there. Everybody thought the offense would kind of be their calling card this year with, you know, Carson Wentz in his fifth year. But it looks like their defense, uh, you know, they're really stepping up. They have 13 sacks in these last two games. They hit Joe Burrow. Or they sacked Joe Burrow from Cincinnati uh, eight times in that tie they had two weeks ago. And uh, they sacked Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard a combined five times uh, out there in San Francisco. So that defensive line, uh, to me, and that's where they've invested a lot of their money. That's going to be their identity, I think, this year, is that defense being able to pressure the quarterback. And then they have, you know, one of the top cornerbacks in the game, and Darius Slay, who's playing like one of the top cornerbacks in the league. Um, so, you know, I think defense is going to kind of be their, their trademark this year. Um, but on the flip side of that, Ben Roethlisberger's been getting rid of the ball quickly not giving defensive lines a chance to really get to him. But if he holds the ball too long or if the Eagles are able to get pressure up the middle and force him to get rid of the ball a little sooner than he wants, then that's going to be a problem for Pittsburgh. But uh, it's a good game. You know, I think you have a team kind of that found itself in Philadelphia a little bit. Um, and then you have a Steelers team that's 3-0, and but we really don't know, you know, how good that 3-0 and record is at this point. 
So some bold predictions, if you will, that uh, the Pittsburgh media is putting out there uh, about the Eagles is that the Steelers' uh, offense will finally break 30 points. Uh, well, I mean, we'll see. Um, you know, the Rams certainly did it, and uh, I think they were the only team, right? The Bengals had 23, and the and the 49ers only had the 17 or uh, 18, I guess it was, or 20. They scored 25-20. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I would be surprised if that happens. I don't know how they're going to do it. I know the Steelers like to run the ball. Uh, you know, James Connors had two out of three games where he's been over 100 yards. Uh and, um, you know, Benny Snell's kind of been coming on, the kid from uh, the University of Kentucky. So uh, when you run the ball, you don't tend to put up too many points unless you're running for big, big plays. But uh, I, I, would be, I would be surprised if the Steelers went over uh, 30 points. I, I, my final, if you want the prediction, I have the Steelers winning 23-20. Um, that's not 30 points. But I think it's going to be a close game. And I don't think the Eagles have ever won out in Pittsburgh. Um, they're all the, they've beaten Ben Roethlisberger twice but both times came in Philadelphia. They don't play Pittsburgh, obviously, very often, every four years. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, they've only played four times since Ben's been the quarterback and uh, Ben's two and two against them. Both wins came in Pittsburgh. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think the Eagles have the the defense that can match up with the Steelers. Uh, I don't see them going over 30, but, you know, maybe they will. Another prediction that I noticed coming out of Pittsburgh this week, they say that Pittsburgh will definitely win the sack battle. Well, Pittsburgh's great at sacking the quarterback. I mean, they've led the league, you know, each of the last three years. You know, they shared it, shared the league uh, with with Kansas City two years ago. That they tied for the most sacks, and uh, the Steelers had the most last year, and they had the most in twenty seventeen also. So, I mean, they they get after you. There's no doubt they. They play the blitzing style of defense, and they don't. You know that's why they're called Blitzburg because they like the blitz. They blitz over 50% of the time, and this is a an Eagles offensive line that you know is really rebuilt. You know, uh, Peter Jason Peters, their maybe Hall of Fame left tackle, is out. They're starting the Australian rugby player who never played football before he got drafted in 2018. Didn't even know how to put his helmet on right his first day of practice. Uh, when the Eagles drafted him in the seventh round as a, a big project. But, you know, Milano's a big dude, man. He's like 6'8". They list him at 346. He's probably close to the 360. Uh, and he played pretty well in San Francisco. Now, you know, Nick Bosa wasn't there and Solomon Thomas. So this will be a bigger challenge with Bud Dupree and T.J. Watt, uh, you know, and these, these guys and uh, Haywood, you know, is a nose tackle. I mean, they like to get after the quarterback, there's no doubt. Um, the Eagles, though, lead the league in sacks with 17. They've played one fewer game than Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh has 15 sacks on the season. They're second. Um, you wonder if they would have played the Titans, if they would have surpassed the Eagles in sacks and held the league uh, the highest in the league at this point. But it is what it is right now. The Eagles have the most sacks at 17, 13 in the last two games with 33 quarterback hits. Um, so, yeah, that's a good, you know, game within the game is who's going to uh, get the most sacks. You know, these are the two best sack teams, you know, after a quarter of the season. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. I mean, obviously the Eagles have to put pressure on Ben. They can't let him sit back there and uh, pick him apart. And the good thing about Ben is, you know, where he's going to be. He's not going to move out of that pocket too often. And, you know, the Eagles have done a good job of getting Carson Wentz outside the pocket. And Wentz has done a good job these last two games making plays with his legs. He's gotten 10 first downs with his legs in the last two games, which is a really, really high number, obviously, uh, for a quarterback. So uh, if they can get, if you know, if they can get Wentz rolling out and, 
the Eagles line can do a good job picking up some of these blitzes and uh, stunts and, and different types of twists that Keith Butler, the defensive coordinator, is going to throw at them, then, uh, you know, the Steelers could have a tough time. But that, that's a big test for this Eagles line. There's no doubt. They, they, you know, like I said, they have a lot at left tackle. They got two uh, young guys at guards. Jason Kelsey is the only one that stayed healthy on the offensive line this year at center. All four guys that are there are new pretty much. John, uh, an ankle injury. He had uh, six CC fluid drained out of his ankle on Monday. I mean, he's really tough as can, as can be, and they, they need him because he'll probably match up against T.J. Watt, um, but he's got to stay in there. But, you know, this is an Eagles O line that's young, and it's going to really face probably its biggest test of the year. Well, here's my, my, my thing is with that is Carson Winston, the struggles that he's had, and we just talked about the, the Steelers winning the sack battle, although that's not necessarily all at Carson Winston's fault, but you take a, a combination of all that, and if they have a huge loss, would it, would it be safe to say it's time to bench Carson Wentz for, for Jalen Hurts? Uh, no. I wouldn't say that at all. Um, I think Carson's done a good job of, you know, getting out on the edge and making a decision whether to run or throw. Uh, and I think they need to do more of that. I think the Eagles are kind of exploring more options and, and ways to get Carson Wentz to uh, not just drop back or stand in the pocket. They tried to get him to do that against Washington. He got sacked eight times. Um, you know, they tried to do it against the Rams. He only was sacked a couple times, but he was under pressure. Uh, I think the Eagles are trying, you know, it's still it was September football teams are trying to find themselves, I guess, in that month. And uh, I think the Eagles are learning now that, hey, you know, we're going to let Carson run and let him do what, you know, one of his strengths was when he first came into the league, and that's get mobile, get out on the edge, use his legs a little bit more, whether he's moving, you know, throwing on the run or running the ball. Uh, they got away from that because he was injured, you know, a couple years. They didn't want to put him at risk. Uh, and it is a risky game. You get your quarterback you know, hit by these uh, defenders in the NFL. So they're going to expose him. Uh, they're going to use his legs, and you hope he can stay healthy. If not, then we'll see Jalen Hurts, but not not now. Um, you know, I mean, Wentz obviously has got a track record in this league, and I wouldn't be uh, very quick to bench him for a rookie who I don't think Jalen Hurts is ready. I mean, yeah, he gives you mobility, but uh, I don't think he's anywhere near ready to, you know, come in and take over as a quarterback in the NFL. I think he needs – uh, to learn a little bit more, a lot more, um, before he's ready. Well, let's move on to some of these games, and obviously one of the biggest games of the week so far to talk about. Uh, well, maybe that's because it's the only one that's that's happened so far, and that's uh, Tampa Bay uh, at, on the road against Chicago. Chicago winning by one point. We titled this show uh, "Jolly Old Saint Nick Has Tom Brady on on His Naughty List." Uh, <laughs> So, yeah. you know, here's the thing. It, it, there's been all kinds of talk. And, you know, first of all, is Nick Foles good enough to get the Bears to the Super Bowl? And second of all, I mean, how uh, – and I, I texted this to you yesterday. What a, kind of a crazy stat would this be to have a quarterback go to a Super Bowl with two different teams and and be the starting quarterback at the Super Bowl coming from – the QB2 position. And I don't know if that's ever happened before, but certainly Nick Foles has Tom Brady's number. It's clear. Yeah, there's, there's no doubt. You know, Tom knows that he's not shaking hands with Nick. I mean, I know there was a lot of, you know, a lot of talk about that afterward. And, you know, to me, I mean, you know, they said on the telecast, Brady 
shook uh, Herb, uh, Herbert's hand from the Chargers last week after Tampa beat the Chargers, where he patted him on the helmet. So, you know, you really can't use social distancing as the reason why Brady didn't go out and at least wave to Nick or, you know, ignore, you know that they could at least acknowledge each other from, you know, six feet away. If you don't want to yeah. shake his hand because you're afraid of COVID, then don't shake his hand, but at least acknowledge and, you know, stand six feet away and say, hey, good game, congratulations, see you somewhere down the road. Uh, but he, he didn't do that. He ran right into the locker room. Uh, he did the same thing when he lost the Super Bowl to Nick and the Eagles. And, you know, to me, it just kind of shows what kind of a bad sport and, you know, what a, what a poor sportsman Tom Brady is at, at deep inside, you know. I mean, it just shows you the kind of person he is to, to not, uh, you know, own up to his defeat. And let's face it, Brady is as much to blame for that loss uh, as Nick is to get credit for the win for Chicago. I mean, uh, you know, he forgot the down, let's face it. He said he didn't. His coach Arian said he didn't. But he didn't know it was fourth down when he uh, threw that pass to his tight end. Uh, you know, and he just didn't make enough plays. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. And it would be great if Nick got to the Super Bowl and won it. I mean, I, I think people in Philadelphia would love to see that. You know, they love Nick Foles, obviously. Um, but it, it, Nick Foles is an interesting story. Uh, throughout his whole career, you know, he's never really been the guy. Um, right. He's always been excelled in that backup role. And when he is the guy, uh, he hasn't done as well. So right now he is, he was the number two behind Trubisky. Boy, he made some good plays in that game against yeah, Tampa. That throw to Jimmy Graham in the end zone that Graham one-handed right before halftime. That was terrific. Um, but, you know, we're getting way ahead of ourselves. I mean, the Bears do have the defense to uh, make a run at this thing. And it was nice to see Khalil Mack kind of show up a little bit for, uh, you know, for the first time in my opinion this year. Uh, so I think they have the defense that, that can take this team quite a ways. And that's what the Eagles had when they won it in 2017. They had a very good defense that uh, really helped that team become a championship team. And Nick was just kind of the, you know, the icing on top of that cake. Now Nick did win the Super Bowl when he, you know, had to outgun Brady, but, uh, so he does have his moments, but it would be fun. It, it, it would be a fun story to watch uh, Nick Foles kind of lead the Bears to the Super Bowl. Um, I know people in Philadelphia would love to see that. Talking with Ed Kratz, be writer for the Philadelphia Eagles on the road to Pittsburgh uh, and uh, calling in and, and talking with us. He's also our official NFL contributor. Let's move on over to the Jags and the Texans. Texans made a huge move uh, this week uh, in firing uh, their head coach, Bill O'Brien. And that was kind of a, a shocker move. It was kind of early in the season for that kind of a, a move to happen. Uh, but it certainly puts them in line for uh, to be first looked at by coaches that uh, – may not make it into next year with the team that they're currently at. So uh, who, who do you think, one, who do you think the Texans uh, would be looking at? And two, what do you think about the firing of Bill O'Brien? Uh, well, as far as the first question, I think, you know, you have to look at Eric Bieniemy. He's kind of the hot property there in Kansas City. You know, the part-time offensive coordinator for Andy Reid. He does get, you know, a, a hand in the – and the play calling, and that's what Doug Peterson did when he was with the Chiefs as Andy Reid's OC. Was Andy would let him call the plays for a half, uh, and then you know we saw what Doug did in his second year in Philadelphia. So I would think Eric Bieniemy would be probably the guy you'd want to go in and go tap. I mean, you have Deshaun Watson, who um, you know he's this great talent, but he hasn't really been able to uh, 
figure it out this year. I think losing DeAndre Hopkins obviously has made a uh, a huge dent in, in what Watson likes to do and is kind of his comfort or, you know, his security blanket with Deshaun or uh, DeAndre Hopkins. So, you know, I think you'd have to look there. You'd have to look at an offensive guy and the enemy is kind of the hot ticket uh, right now. Um, and, and I think, you know, as far as O'Brien getting fired, I mean, I, I didn't really see that coming. I guess there was a report that him and TJ or uh, uh, Watt had a, uh, a blow up. Uh, after they lost to the Steelers, that there was a big argument between the two. And when your star player gets in it with his coach, you know, something uh, has to kind of give there. And, you know, O'Brien's made some questionable decisions as the GM. That played a hand in it, too. Um, So, when you you know, in hindsight, yeah, it shouldn't have come as a surprise, but I certainly would have picked a couple other coaches to get fired before Bill O'Brien did. So, uh, we'll see if they can right the ship against the the Jacksonville Jaguars. I, I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, maybe they start to rally around their new coach. Who did they pick as the interim? Was it Romeo Cornell? Did they? Was it was he, their offensive coordinator. Okay. So you know, maybe they yeah. rally around him and and put together a you know a good game. I would think that they have more talent than Jacksonville, but you know whether or not they're going to play up to that talent, we'll see. So this week we're we're going to to, to my homer card. Uh, we got the afternoon game tomorrow. The Colts are on the road to the Browns. And last week we talked about before they went on the road to Chicago. We said they 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 won some they beat some teams that were but one can say we beat. I said to you last week. I said for us to go on the road and get a win in Chicago would be huge in volumes to, to speak to the fans of the Colts. I was not let down. I was not wrong. Uh, uh, the local media has been singing the praises of, of uh, Philip Rivers and Frank Reich and and Ballard and the Colts and and but we look at another tough team, uh, the Cleveland Browns. And if we look at the matchup. This could be a marquee matchup. It's got all the makings for a perfect storm. And for the Colts to go on the road to get a win against the Browns at on the road. That, to me, gives us a huge momentum. And it's certainly we can't let off the, the gas pedal, not one minute. But I think that the Colts have some great momentum going into the Browns game uh, tomorrow. Yeah, I think both teams do. And, I, and I'm surprised, Tom, you don't have, uh, you know, the Super Browns fan, Adam Jibben, on shaking his pom-poms here. I thought, uh, you know, you know he was invited. Be- he was invited, and, and – um, he he was going to try to uh, make it. His brother-in-law was getting married, and um, so he did. He did give us some. He did give us some some talking points, and I was going to go into them in, in a minute. But his wife, uh, his wife, which is his boss, said that he needed to be focused on the wedding and not calling in on the show. So uh, he gladly obliged. But what he did do, <laughs> what he did do, is he sent some talking points to what he'd be talking about. So he will be uh, virtually shaking his pom poms. He said, "So we'll start there. The Browns' run game, both sides are are missing key players. Uh, the Browns without Chubb and the Colts without uh, uh, Darius Leonard. What are your thoughts on that talking point?" Yeah, uh, that that's. Certainly, uh, I don't know who you favor in that situation. I would think that uh, running back probably is easier to replace. I know Chubb's pretty good, but, you know, you still have, uh, who is it there, Kareem Hunt as a running back, if you want to give him the ball. 
or is it Tyreek Hill? I can never remember this. One of them plays for the Chiefs. I think it's Tyreek Hill with the Chiefs, Kareem Hunt for the Browns. But, uh, you know, you, I would think it's easier to place running back than a, than, a, than a top stud tackling linebacker like Darius Leonard. Um, you know, that's going to be uh, that's going to be a test, especially, you know, when you, you know, when you can feed the ball over the middle uh, to some of your weapons that Baker Mayfield has, they might exploit the middle a little bit more of the field and, um, it's a tough call. That might that might actually, in my opinion, probably favor the Browns a little bit. Chubb Chubb versus Leonard both being out. And, and you know, Tom. Uh, also, you look, and I don't know if you have more talking points, but I just want to say on that is that the Browns are. This is a great matchup in that the Browns are a team that's averaging, you know, thir- over thirty points in their three-game winning streak here, and the and the Colts have the best. Uh, scoring defense uh, in the league, I think. They're only giving up an average of 14 points a game, which, in, you know, in this modern age of the NFL, that's tremendous to only give up that few points. And now you're going to face a team that, in the Browns that has figured out how to run an offense under Kevin Stefanski, their new coach. So uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a great matchup. He said the Colts cannot slow down Miles Garrett without Anthony Costanzo. Garrett leads the league in sacks, pressures, and forced fumbles. Uh, Philip Rivers is in for a long afternoon. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's more than, <laughs> it's more than just Philip Rivers. I mean, I like that run game that the Colts have. You know, you might not always blast out 100 yards on the ground with one guy, but, you know, Frank Reich and his commitment to run the ball um, – you know, Miles Garrett might find himself setting the edge a little bit more than he will rush the passer. I mean, I like Rivers throwing 25 to 30 times a game. Um, so there's going to be fewer opportunities, I would think, if that's the case for Garrett to, you know, pin his ears back and go go after the quarterback. But the Colts, in order to get the run game going, they have to obviously stay, you know, in second and manageable plays. They can't lose yards on first down or second down. They want to you know, they want to be a second and six, third and three type offense uh, to keep that run game in play and not let Garrett, you know, get his engine started. And he says that this game will come down to win uh, the turnover battle and the battle in the trenches. But due to injuries to Leonard and Casanzo, I think the Browns win a close game 24 to 20, but both teams are on the fast track for the playoffs. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think, you know, with the F-13, that certainly helps the Browns. Uh, I think the Colts are, you know, you don't know what the Titans are in that division. 3-0, and week off, ravaged by COVID. Um, you know, there was talk about forfeiting games with Tennessee because they broke protocol and had some of their players get together. Um, so you don't know what Tennessee is, but to me, Indianapolis should, you know, should be kind of – win that division if not there'll be a wild card and then you look at the browns division uh you know the steelers we talked about them and then of course the ravens i mean i think it's going to be more difficult for the browns to get in at this point than it would be for the colts just based on the division and even with that extra wild card spot um but you know the browns are a team on the roll and you know they seem like they have a competent head coach kevin stefanski philly guy by the way um so you know i think yeah, I think that both teams should be headed to the playoffs. It's going to be a little tougher for Cleveland, but they look like they could be the real deal. And I and I think uh, that game is that game in Cleveland or in the Indianapolis? It's in Cleveland. It's in Cleveland. In Cleveland. I, I don't know if they're letting fans. In. Not that it matters. I mean, they're Pittsburgh is going to have fans. That, you know, they allowed 5,500 to come in 
uh, for this game, and uh, not, you know that's no no big big deal really. But uh, I you know I think I think it's going to be a tough game for the Colts. If the if the Browns score 24 points, then they'll win because I'm not sure that the, the Colts have that kind of firepower. They don't have that style of offense. It's going to be up to the defense of the Colts to kind of hold uh, Indianapolis to 20, or I'm sorry, Cleveland to 20 and under, uh, and hope their offense can find a way to you know put up some points. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles. We appreciate you joining us on the road to Pittsburgh. Where can people find your work at Kratz for Peace and Sir? Yeah, hit me up on Twitter, at Kratzee, K-R-A-C-Z-E, and uh, put all my stuff right there and uh, even interact with fans if you're not too, you know, over-the-top crazy with your comments. But I, I try to interact <laughs> as much as I can on Twitter. All right, buddy, you have a safe drive, and we'll see how the Eagles fare against the Steelers tomorrow. Yeah, when is that Indian Cleveland? Is that at one o'clock? It's four four twenty-five. Oh, okay, good, good. So yeah, our Pittsburgh Philly is at one, so maybe I can catch catch the second half of that one, hopefully. Uh, but hey, there you go, Tom. Again, we, 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 yeah, wish Melissa all the best. I hope you know her recovery goes well, and uh, you know, make sure you're waiting on her hand and foot now. You got it. Absolutely. <laughs> That's been going on. You can be assured <laughs> of that. All right. Yeah. We'll talk to you soon. All right. All righty. Yep. Bye bye. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and uh, for NSI.com and our official uh, NFL contributor. I always appreciate him coming on. Uh, Scott Lamb, uh, Mo from the BS Sports Show, joined us for our college football hour and breaking down college football this week. We got all of our picks up and we got Rick's uh, poll up and Rick Riggin called in for cameo appearances. He's uh, driving down uh, to, to Florida. And Tony Donahue from Tony D Podcast joins us. Uh, joined us in, in talking IndyCar and NASCAR. So my name is Tom Marcos El Presidente. That's going to do it for today. Remember to follow us on social media, at Twitter, and wherever you get your your, your podcast. Uh, download the podcast as well. We've been paying tribute to Eddie Van Halen, and so he's going to jump us on out of here. I'm out of here. Don't drink and drive. Deuces.
Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.